It's time for the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast with CNHI Sports Indiana's George Brimmer. Today, we talk to a former member of the Colts 4th Down Army and answer your burning questions about the offseason. It's time to kick things off. Hello, football fans. Welcome to the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast, your number one source for Colts news. I'm producer Heather B., and I'm here with your host, CNHI Sports Indiana executive editor and Colts beat writer, George Brimmer. George, this is our very first episode of Horseshoes and Hand Grenades, so why don't you tell everybody what the show's going to be about? Yeah, you know, I'm really excited. I'm not sure a lot of people know this, but uh, when I first started out studying the craft in, in my first journalism class in high school, I, I really, my goal was to be a broadcaster. I really wanted to be on radio. And so now here's a chance for me to be sort of a radio guy and to really interact with, with Colts Nation in a different way, you know, share the same kind of news and, and info that I always have, uh, but we're going to bring it to you weekly now in a podcast. In addition to all the latest news that Colts fans are dying to hear, uh, you're going to try to have some interviews with players. Yeah, absolutely. We, we're going to have the first one here on the initial uh, episode. It's a former Colts player. That's all I'm going to say for now. I think they call this a tease in the business. Uh, we will definitely let you know that later in the show, but it's an exclusive talk, and I think it went really well. I'm really excited for people to, to listen to that interview. And then during the season, we're going to go inside the locker room. We really want to be able to, to get the voices of some of the Colts players onto this show and let people experience them in maybe a different way. Yeah, you're definitely going to want to stay tuned in for that interview later in the show. Uh, another ep- uh, part of the show that we'll have is my favorite part, I think, what I'm affectionately calling the Pony Express. <laughs> There's no doubt that that's your number one segment. You titled it. Uh, it's just going to be a simple question and answer mailbag, and I think it's one of my favorite parts, too, because this is going to be an interactive show. We really want to hear from the fans. We want to get their viewpoints and we are going to try to answer as many of their questions as possible. They can send us those questions on Twitter, at GM Bremer. They can use a Facebook message to us at my professional site, which is George M. Bremer. And they can also call us, leave us a Google voicemail. The number there is area code 765-400-0239. I can't stress enough how much we really want to hear from you and let you be a part of this show. Uh, Give us a call, send us a tweet, uh, and your question could get on the air. This show will be coming at you each week throughout the preseason, throughout the regular season, and throughout the offseason. Because as we all know, there's still plenty of things to talk about during the saddest time of the year when there's no football. The only good news there is that the saddest time of the year is almost over. So close to training camp, you can feel it right now, and I think that's... Everybody in Colts Nation should be excited. There's a lot of changes for the Colts this year, including where camp is held. Yeah, I think the first thing people are going to notice, and it's going to be probably a little bit of a disappointment, is that they're not going to be able to see their favorite team as much this summer. Uh, Really, every year since the team moved to the state in 1984, training camp's been open, first at Anderson University, then for 11 years during the bulk of the Peyton Manning era, they were at Terre Haute at at Rose-Holman Institute of Technology, came back after the second Super Bowl to Anderson. We're here for the past seven years. This year, the Colts have joined kind of the growing trend in the NFL. They're going to stay home at the Indiana Farm Bureau Football Center. But what that means is the vast majority of practices are going to be unfortunately closed to the public. Just two open dates for fans to go and watch their team. July 30th at Lucas Oil Stadium. That's been kind of a tradition every year, that open practice at the stadium. It's a good chance for fans to kind of get to see the team in that environment when maybe they don't get to do that otherwise. But maybe the one that I'm most excited for is August 5th at Warren Central. That one's going to be a night practice, and it should be a real fun environment for the team and and for the fans. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I think they're calling it Saturday Night Lights. I I think that'll give the players and the fans a chance to have a little fun for the the real meat of the season starts. Another thing I'm really looking forward to this year in camp is a little more physicality. We're hearing that there's going to be a lot more hitting during camp this year. Yeah, Chuck Pagano really hinted at that throughout the spring. Uh, just the idea that there's been a lot of missed tackles the last few years, that's, that's something anybody who's watched the games is well aware of. They're, they're trying to find different ways to deal with that. Chris Ballard comes over from Kansas City where they've had physical camps. That's something that, that that's kind of been ingrained in the culture there with the Chiefs. And it, he pretty much confirmed uh, earlier this summer in an interview with the team's website that it's going to be a physical camp. They're going to hit. There's drawbacks to that. Obviously, there's pros and cons. 
You want to keep guys healthy. You want to do as best as you can to get through training camp and, and be in the best shape you can be in week one. But I thought it was interesting. Ballard, of course, the new general manager, one of the, the comparisons that he used is boxing. You know, when you're a boxer, you got to spar. You go and you fight in between fights. You don't just step in the ring and, and get hit for the first time. And I think they're trying to, a similar approach here on the football field. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and whether or not it leads to better defensive results this season. Yeah, you know, Alan Iverson didn't find any value in practice, but <laughs> but there really is in that even if it's just the mental mindset of hitting and tackling and wrapping guys up and bringing them down, I think this could be such an interesting year for the Colts. They're not really in a rebuilding mode. We're kind of beyond that, but we're definitely not in a Super Bowl or bust mode. Where would you put this team? It's really an interesting season, I think, because there's definitely a lot of change. There's a new era in some ways. Chris Ballard has come in. He's really made a lot of differences. You're going to see a lot of new faces on the defense. I believe 22 players on this roster on the defensive side of the ball were not on this roster in 2016. Uh, There's a definite focus that way. But on the offensive side of the ball, there's a lot of continuity. I mean, really, this is the first time that Andrew Luck comes back and might see the same five players in front of him on the offensive line that he saw at the end of, of last season. you know That's something throughout his five-year career has never happened. Ryan Kelly last year became the first center in his era to, to start all 16 games. And you've got a, a pretty set line. There's going to be competition everywhere. That's been the word that we've heard really since Ballard took over. Nobody's job is safe except for maybe number 12. Everybody's competing. Everybody's got an open, kind of wide-open race there. But you can kind of see that line coming together with Andy, Anthony Costanzo at left tackle, a healthy Jack Muhort at left guard, Ryan Kelly at center. Joe Haig looks like he's going to settle in at right guard after kind of bouncing around a lot of spots during his rookie year. And then right tackle right now is LaRaven Clark. There's going to be competition there. There's going to be opportunities for other guys to break in. But they come in as the front runners. And I think it, you have an offense now that isn't necessarily a veteran offense, but has been together for a little while and is growing together, and you have a defense that's just starting its journey. So it'll be interesting to see how that meshes this year, how they bring all that together, and and what the results will be. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of fans and definitely a lot of the, the national media, their concern has been the offensive line for the Colts. And really, for me, in the last part, in late part of the season last year, I thought the offensive line really came together, had started to have chemistry, and was headed in the right direction. The same cannot be said for the defense. The defense needed work. Do you think they found some solutions this offseason? That's the million-dollar question right now. Uh, What they have done is change. We'll see whether it was good change or, or bad change. I think I really like what they did in the secondary in particular. Your first two picks are safety and Lee Cooker who if you saw anything that he did at Ohio State last year, he's a playmaker extraordinaire. I don't know if I'm ready to to drop the Ed Reed comparison yet that we've heard. Ed Reed's a Hall of Famer. He's going to have to earn that kind of talk. But he's a guy with great range, great athleticism, great ball skills. And this is a situation where Chris Ballard has put a big emphasis on turnovers. That's one of the main things that he's talked about. Look, you can look at the sack numbers. You can look at the yardage. You can look at whatever you want. But the biggest indicator for winning in the NFL is takeaways. The Colts simply have not done that enough this se- in the past recent seasons. And a guy like Malik Hooker can make a difference there, even as a rookie. You're also going to see a veteran Bonte Davis back there, but it looks like he'll be joined, possibly, and we'll get into this a little bit in the mailbag, I think, by the second-round pick, who's Quincy Wilson. He is a, a cover guy out of Florida, basically. Another guy with good ball skills, a guy who comes in with a kind of a veteran mentality, He's only 20 years old. Can you imagine that? I don't think he was born yet when Adam Vinatieri came into the league, his rookie season in the league. I don't think Quincy Wilson was even alive yet. So, you know, a very young defense. You kind of see that right there. Uh, But that secondary, I think, is going to be interesting. And if they can come up with the turnovers that Chris Ballard wants, then it it could really make things interesting for the defense. Where's the pass rush coming from? That's the other million-dollar question. They like Terrell Basham. He was a third-round pick out of Ohio. He's a guy that they they feel like has some natural pass rush skills, but he's a rookie, and you don't want to put all your eggs in a rookie's basket. Jabal Sheard 
has done some really interesting things. 13 sacks over the past two seasons in New England, even though he's never really had a full-time role. He's a guy who, in the past, when he was in Cleveland, has been able to put pressure on quarterbacks. He might be the one guy on this roster who right now you know can win a one-on-one battle with an offensive lineman and get that pressure on his own without it being schemed. So it'll be interesting to see where he comes from. The other intriguing name in the mix, there's actually two, but the, the big intriguing name in the mix to me is John Simon. He was with Houston the last couple years. We all know Houston's ability to get after the quarterback. He's a guy who I don't think has reached his ceiling yet in the NFL, which is kind of a trend with almost all the guys that Chris Ballard brought in this year. And it'll be interesting to see with more playing time and a more defined role whether or not John Simon can take a step forward and get to the quarterback. The other guy, and I know this is a guy you really liked at the combine a few years ago, Barkevius Mingo. Now, it's interesting because Coach Venturi, Coach Rick Venturi, who is probably the preeminent Colts expert out there, let's be honest, uh, and I know you really like him a lot in your dealings with him, he had a line during training camp, and he said, look, he's got you know, a great upper body. He, he, he's, he's got tremendous speed, but he's got Victoria's Secret Model legs. He's just too thin in, in that area. And it'll be interesting to see because what that means is basically he, he's a speed guy, and everybody knows that. But he hasn't been able to use the, translate that to power and be able to be offensive lineman that way. You know, will the light go on this year? Who knows? Even if it doesn't, I think he's going to be a big contributor on special teams. But he's an interesting guy. Drafted, I think, number four overall when he came out of college. Uh, had a good rookie year in Cleveland. And then things haven't really gone as well for him since then. So there's a lot of guys on that defensive side of the ball and in that pass rush group in particular who should have a chip on their shoulder, who should have something to prove. And... We'll see how that you know plays out through the course of the year, but it's it's an interesting situation to dig into. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Mingo get a second shot here with the Colts and seeing if he can become the player we all thought he might be when he got drafted. Speaking of the draft, who is your favorite pick of the Colts from the draft? Well, it depends on what you mean. As far as football goes, I think Hooker was a steal. I mean, I think he's a guy that. Some people had him as a top five guy. Most people had him as a top ten guy. And to get a talent like that at number 15, I really feel like in three, four, five years from now, people are going to look back and say, how did he last that long? Uh, from a personality standpoint, I think Zach Banner's already made a big impression in that locker room. He's a funny kid. He's got a big personality. His, his biological father, Lincoln Kennedy, was a humongous man as well and, and played a long time in the NFL. He's got some work to do, and he knows that as an offensive lineman. He's definitely a project, so I don't know how quickly he'll have an impact on the field. But he's a guy, I think, as fans get to see his personality, they'll really enjoy him. We've talked a little bit about offense. We've talked a little bit about defense. We haven't touched on the fourth down army. So when we come back, we got to take a quick break. You'll hear from a former member of that fourth down army, Matt Overton. It's time to go inside the locker room with CNHI Sports Indiana's George Bremer. Today, as we go inside the locker room, it's somebody who's no longer inside the locker room, actually. Matt Overton released just after the draft this spring. I think it caught everybody by surprise, but probably one of the most popular players on this team over his five seasons here. Everybody really connected with his blue-collar work ethic uh, and also his work in the community. We touched a little bit on all of that uh, in this talk uh, from his home. He's visiting family back in California as he tries to, to find another job here in the NFL. Uh, I think you're really going to like this interview, and uh, here we go. kind of where I wanted to start. I know a lot of us on the outside were, were surprised when we got the news back in March that, that you'd been released. Was it something you had any idea was coming, or you know how did you receive that news? Uh, yeah, man, just uh, definitely got blindsided. Uh, really didn't see that one coming. I, I knew that you know I'd be competing – um, in the off season and going into training camp with somebody, and um, as I did the year before, and so definitely was ready for that. Excited to get back, and you know there was no indications from my coach or anything that that uh, made me feel like they wanted to go in a different direction. And um, yeah, just one of those things where I got the call first thing Monday morning after the draft, and and uh, it was one of those calls you don't want to get. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, were you given any kind of explanation, or what did they tell you when they let you go? You know, this is my first uh, interaction with uh, Chris Ballard, so it, I guess it was uh, an awkward one <laughs> and not a pleasant one. But, um, you know, really the only thing that uh, 
he said it was they wanted to be younger. And so that was pretty frustrating um, to hear that. Uh, like I said, I, mean, I was pretty caught off guard and shocked and, and I really was at loss for words. And, um, yeah. you know, it was just, uh, it was, it was, it was a difficult conversation to have, you know, and then talking to Coach Pagano, it was difficult as well because they've been, been together since day one. And, um, you know, and so it, I guess, you know, the day will always be, you know, in the back of my mind because, uh, it's one of those days that, you know, inevitably always happens. Uh, I just didn't, uh, think that it would go that way at, you know, at this point in my career, but, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I've, I've had a, a great time in Indy and very lucky to be with such a great organization. And, um, yeah, as hard as, yeah, as hard as it is to, to move forward, you know, I'm excited for what's next. Absolutely. And I know that the people in Colts Nation really have shown you a lot of love on Twitter since this happened. How much does that mean to you to see the fans uh, support and how they feel about you? Oh, man, it, it definitely helps, you know, a lot. Uh, the, it was very overwhelming, the amount of support that came through and, and just, like you, like you said, through Twitter and social media and just texts and phone calls, you know, from a lot of, you know, people. And so it was um, – it definitely made things a little bit easier. Um, it let me know that, you know, my time here was, you know, meaningful and, you know, made an impact not just on the field but off the field. And, um, you know, made me feel good about my time here in Indy. And, you know, definitely, you know, feel feel like I left my mark, you know. And, and uh, you know, one of the things I, I, you know, coming into the Colts in 2012, you know, I knew I had big shoes to fill with Justin Snow you know, competing with him in, in preseason and training camp and stuff. And, you know, he became a mentor to me. And, you know, I, all I ever wanted to do was to, to, you know, play at the level that he did and exceed that. And, you know, hopefully I did that. Um, and hopefully gain the respect from my peers and, and coaches and whatnot. And, you know, definitely had a, a, a fun ride with, uh, you know, Pat and Adam. You know, I, I wanted to uh, stick around with Adam and, and uh, you know, claim some more uh records with him but uh you know it's been great you know looking back we we I definitely set the bar high and it all starts with Adam and Pat and you know I'm just kind of tag along with that you know I've been lucky to be a part of such a dominant special teams unit and um you know I think we set the standard you know and obviously Adam's still there and he continues to, to you know keep that standard high which is great you know and so um I wish all of those guys the best of luck and and um you know, it's it's going to be hard uh, knowing that I'm not going to training camp here in a few weeks. But uh, you know, hopefully, I'll another team will come calling. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all rooting for that for you. Uh, you mentioned Adam and Pat, and Pat obviously retired. Kind of shocked some people as well with with his news this off season. Uh, what does that mean for Adam this year, though? Getting used to not just a new snapper, but a new older. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, one of those things where over the past five years. The three of us, you know, built that continuity and that uh, uh, just that that brotherhood, I guess you could say too. But it's, it, it goes. A lot of people just really don't understand how intricate the unit is and and just the timing and and all that stuff. And it takes a lot of work, you know. And I remember my first year coming in and, and working with Pat and Adam, and and you know now it's completely different with having a, a new holder and a new snapper. And so I'm. They're putting their work in just like anybody else would be, and uh, you know I, I'm sure they're they're working diligently to get on the same page. But um, yeah, I mean it was it was great. It took you know it, it takes a while to kind of get that trust and that um, kind of feel like you guys are gelling together. And so um, it, it's a lot harder than people think, and I think it it, it goes not as respected until something goes wrong, right? So um, yeah, it's just. Uh, yeah, it is. It is a, a lot of hard work, and um, I am sure Adams got those guys uh, going in the right direction. I know you talked about some of the great moments you had, and one that really pops in my head is in Tennessee last year. Uh, Adams set the record. Yeah, I mean that was uh, definitely something special to me too. Um, you know, I I also remember 2014 uh, having a, a a perfect run with field goals and. Um, just so happened that our last field goal was in Tennessee on that same field and, and, uh, we missed it. And I knew that one stung for all of us because we really wanted Adam to, 
to be perfect on the year, you know, um, it's really hard to come by. But uh, two years later to, you know, break the NFL record for consecutive was pretty cool. And that's definitely um, one I'll cherish for a lifetime. I know that uh, you and Pat in particular had a good relationship, a close relationship there during your time in Indianapolis. Uh, were you surprised by his announcement this offseason, or did you have some kind of sense that, that he might be considering that? Uh, it was it was kind of in discussions, I think, for a, for a while. And, you know, I think a lot of things played into his decision. And, um, uh, you know, I think it was just kind of a perfect storm with the opportunity that presented itself with what he's doing now and, you know, his knee being an issue and, and um you know, kind of going out on top, too, being an all-pro once again, you know. So um, I think his his passion's always, you know, kind of been in that comedy thing that he's been pursuing, you know. And um, I think he's he came at a – he was at a crossroads and, and did a lot on the football field, you know, and achieved a lot. Um, I think the only thing that he would want would be a Super Bowl ring, and all of us would, right? But um, – I think the opportunity presented itself to do some incredible things that he wanted to pursue, and, and I think he just pulled the trigger. But definitely wasn't a surprise. I think it was more of, you know, me and Adam were were hope, hopefully calling his bluff on it, and uh, hope you know hopefully you know that he was he was coming back for his ninth year, you know. So um, you know when they got the news, it was definitely a, kind of a somber day. You know, it didn't shock me, but just to to see the headlines and, and see his announcement did 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 hurt because uh um you know it just it kind of happened so abruptly and and i think um towards the end of the year when he was contemplating it it was more of like uh this guy's got to be joking i don't think it's gonna be real and, and you know three months later it was you know so that was hard but it, he's been doing an incredible job and, and what an awesome opportunity for him and he couldn't be happier yeah no doubt i know that that's something that he's excited about it has been uh, all along for a while. I know the fans here in, in Indianapolis, they did appreciate him. Obviously, he was a popular player, but is he a little bit underrated? I mean, how how big of a loss is this going to be to the team? He flipped the field position quite a bit. You know, I you know Pat just continued to get better. Um, you know, when I came in 2012, I think he was still <laughs> – that he was going into his third year or fourth year, I believe, and, and I think he was still kind of trying to learn how to punt. You know, it was one of those things where he, he was good at it, but I think he, you know, he didn't have the control or the consistency that he really wanted. Um, and he wanted to be the best. And, and, you know, really kind of 2014, 2015, 2016, kind of when things started clicking for him. And not only that, doing the onside kicks, all that kind of stuff, but um, I think, uh, you know, he would tell you that he was he was always a work in progress, and, and, and I think he would just continue to get better. And so I think it's, again, it's another one of those positions that you, uh, you just take for granted, you know, and, and, uh, he was, he was a threat in many ways, you know, just not only flipping the field, but, uh, you know, being able to throw the ball and on fakes and run the ball and being as athletic as he is. Um, and also holding for, for Vinatieri, you know, holding is another thing that goes just unnoticed and, you know, take for granted all the time. He, he, he had great hands and he was, you know, just very consistent and very accurate with his placements for, for Vinny, you know, and, and, um, you know, so his presence, of course, his personality is going to be missed and his leadership, but, uh, the way he controlled the game and special teams is, is definitely, um, uh, going to be missed. And there really hasn't been a guy like him in the league. Uh, on a personal stand for you, is there any breaking news? Any, any interest out there? Any, any inklings where you might be headed this year? You know, uh, there's been a few teams that have shown interest, and it's it's one of those things where it's kind of a waiting game, and some teams have rookies in, in training camp, and they kind of want to evaluate them. And, um, and you know, so a lot, all the feedback's been positive, you know, and and I'm encouraged. I'm I'm definitely staying ready and training and um, ready for whatever, you know. So I'm excited about it, and you know, definitely have been enjoying my time off a little bit. Um, you know, I I wholeheartedly want to be back on that football field again soon and compete for a job. So um, I'm preparing for that. But, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing uh, set in yet. And I guess we'll just wait and see how things go in training camp and, and uh, that phone call can come at any time. You've obviously been down this road before. 
uh, bouncing around early in your career before you landed here in Indianapolis and found a home. Uh, does that help you at all with your mindset, and, and how do you prepare during this time? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, definitely, you know, the uncertainty back then was a lot greater than it is now. Um, you know, for me, you know, I'm at a point in my career too. It's like, you know, if if you know, heaven forbid, football doesn't happen again, you know, I'll still be extremely blessed to have played five years in the league. Um, and uh, something I always dreamed of doing and always strived for. And and um, I'm still, I definitely have a chip on my shoulder. I'm, 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 I'd be lying to you if I had told you that I wasn't pissed off that I wasn't with the team right now and still with the Colts. But, uh, you know, um, right now I'm just kind of, I'm kind of at that point where it's like, you know, I have other things going on in my life that I'm excited about um, that kind of keep me busy. I have other passions and whatnot. So uh, those kind of keep my, my mind set on, on not just thinking about football all the time. So back in, uh, you know, 2009, 2010, I mean, I was nothing but, you know, football, 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 you know, and, and it took a lot out of me. And um, it's a big sacrifice, too. So um you know right now it's a little bit different um i know i have to be patient i know i have to stay ready because really the, the phone call comes when you least expect it and so um my main thing right now is just staying in shape staying healthy and, and staying ready to go when that call comes i know that you've had some dealings with law enforcement you've had some ride-alongs and things is that a potential future endeavor you know it's, it definitely is but you know i, I told a lot of guys you know and and departments that have reached out to me that, you know, I, it would be unfair to myself and to the department to, uh, you know, make that commitment when, you know, my heart's not fully in it at this point. And so right now, really, I'm focused on football. I'm focused on, you know, getting an opportunity. And, and um, you know, until the day comes when, when I'm 100% done with football, that's when I'll decide to pursue law enforcement. One of the big things that I think you're going to be remembered for here in Indianapolis and, and really the state of Indiana, uh, just how involved you got with communities. I know you went up to Kokomo a couple times to help out with the tornadoes and even did that once on your own with, with the team on a day off and you just headed up there. So you're going to try to continue with that as much as possible? No, I really do. Yeah, I, I obviously, you know, Riley Hospital is near and dear to me, so I'm definitely committed to helping them any way I can. Um you know, I've I've been lucky to live in a in a great you know city like Indianapolis where they've embraced me and, and there's been incredible ways to help. And uh, I'm lucky to be a Hoosier. And so any way that I can help people and and our fans and, and kids out there, uh, you know, count me in. You know, and um, it's just been incredible to uh, to meet so many awesome people along the way and get involved with in, with awesome things. And um, I, I'm definitely a Hoosier for life. And and Indian Indian. Indianapolis is home for me, so um, yeah, I, I definitely will continue to help where I can. I definitely think, you know, from the things that I've dealt with, I think the feeling is, is certainly mutual. Uh, I can't let you go without an obligatory Andrew Luck question. I know you're not a doctor, but you know, from what you know and being around him, how worried should fans be this year about his health and his ability to play this season? Uh, you know what? The one thing I do know about Andrew is that he's very diligent in his rehab and his workouts and his training and his routine. That guy eats, breathes, and goes number two, if you know what I mean, for football. And uh, he is 100% committed to everything that's going on. And so, I obviously, there's uh, um, we don't know everything that is going on with him right now. He's probably further along than we even think. And so um, – you know, I just uh, I I know how hard he works, and so don't be surprised if you see him out there very soon. Um, almost like he never even skipped a beat. So um, I'm excited to see him play, and he's definitely gonna have a great year. And Matt, thanks a lot for joining us here on our our first episode. You've always been a class act, and I know we're all rooting for you to uh, get another spot out there and have a good season again this year, wherever you land. No, George, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for the support, man. Thanks to Matt Overton for joining us for our very first episode of Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. You know, I know the fans know he's a really good guy, but I don't think they actually understand what a really good man Matt Overton is. You know, I got to know him through USA Football. Uh, when I worked there, he uh, ran a camp through USA Football. He wanted all the best stuff, the best equipment, the best T-shirts, to be able to put on the best possible camp for the kids in his hometown. 
Um, and then, you know, met him through the Colts. He was very nice. He's always open to interviews. And um, then, you know, just following his friendship with uh, a girl named Mia, who uh, was a patient at Riley Hospital, um, and the bond that they shared was just inspiring. Um, so, you know, thank you to Matt for joining us. Uh, and I hope that he finds a spot. Yeah, I think most people out there are going to agree with you on that. I think one of the things about Matt, I mentioned a little bit in the intro to it, but uh, he's just a guy who gets it. You know, to put it that simple, he understands. Football's important to him, uh, but he really understands the role that he can play in the community, and I think he was invaluable to this franchise uh, with his impact off the field. All right, we're going to be moving on to our next segment, the Pony Express. Delivering answers to all of your burning questions about the Colts and the NFL. It's the Pony Express. I know this is your favorite segment, so no more wasted time. Let's get to the fans' questions. All right. Our first question comes from Twitter uh, from AR15s. He asks, will Rashawn Melvin win the number two corner spot instead of Quincy Wilson? I'll tell you what. He's going to be given every opportunity to do it. And I think ultimately if you put – Chris Ballard and Chuck Pagano on, you know, attached them to a lie detector and gave them a lie detector test, they would probably say that they hope that Quincy Wilson wins that job. But when they talk about competition and wide open races this year, that's not idle speech. Every job out there is up for grabs, and Melvin ran with the ones throughout the spring. So I think going into training camp, he has the lead. He's a guy who has shown last year an ability to make some plays and do some things you'd like on the defensive back end, and they're definitely going to make the rookie earn that spot. I think ultimately, you know, if I'm handicapping it, I think ultimately Quincy Wilson will win that role, but Melvin's not going to make it easy for him. All right, our next question comes from Kyle Winslow. What's Brian Decker, the new player personnel strategist, been up to since he was hired? I'll tell you what, from everything that I've heard, he is going to be involved with every transaction this team makes. And for the people who aren't familiar, Brian Decker has an outstanding backstory. He actually worked for Special Forces in the U.S. Army. And he developed kind of a, a program, if you will, to find guys who wouldn't wash out, to make that success rate go up, to be in, I believe, the Green Berets. And he, it was a successful formula. It, it greatly increased the number of, of people that they were keeping in the program that were becoming a good part of that. Obviously, that's far more important than football. He had a brief opportunity with the Browns to kind of imply that formula to, to football, but everybody knows there's changeover with the Browns every year. And he got caught in one of those changeovers, was free agent for the last couple of years. Chris Ballard brought him into the front office this spring. And from what I've heard, he's going to use his personality tests, his interviews with every player they talk to, every free agent, every draft pick, and help to kind of give another set of data for the team to consider. It'll be interesting. It's, it's way outside the box thinking. It'll be really interesting to see what the results of that are. At Odium One has kind of a broad question uh, that I'm going to try to tackle first. It says, "What's it all mean, George?" I'm looking for the big answers here. The answer is 42, right? The, the answer to the universe and everything is always 42. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but in case he's looking for something else, I think we touched on that in the, in the early part of the year, or the early part of the episode here today. You know, I really feel like ultimately. This is an evaluation season, and it's an evaluation season for every member of the franchise. The coaching staff, down to the number 53 guy on the roster. But with that in mind, it doesn't mean they're not trying to win. I think they want to make the playoffs this year. They want to make a run. All that's on the table. But it's a very, very interesting year because it's the first year of the Chris Ballard era, and I think people really want to see not just how this season plays out, but what it means for, the, for next offseason. I think Steve underscore Cardenas has a question that a lot of fans will be asking. What kind of start to the season gets Pagano fired? Uh, you know, I don't know that you can put a number to that. I think that's one thing that people really need to, to understand. I don't think it's a matter of if the Colts go 8-8 eight and eight and don't make the playoffs, he's fired. If the Colts go 11-5 and five and get to the AFC Championship game, he stays on. I think it's deeper than that. I think they want to see progress, and they're looking at very specific areas. And so I think if the team goes 8-8 eight and eight and misses the playoffs, but at the end of the day you feel like everybody took a step forward and, and the, the train is on the right track, so to speak, he could keep his job. 
By the same token, if they go 11-5, and five, but it looks like a mess, and they get beat in the playoffs and it's an ugly loss, they may decide that things aren't going in the right direction, and, and then he won't continue on with them. I really honestly don't think it's a numbers game. I think there's a lot more at work here. There's a lot of things that they're looking at for how he deals with the players, how he is on game day, and that ultimately is going to determine what Chris Ballard decides to do next January. Does it lie with Chris Ballard, or is he going to have to get Jim Irsay's okay? Yeah, I think everything that happens with this team ultimately comes across Jim Irsay's desk, but I really do believe that it, it's primarily Chris Ballard's call. I think it's in his hands. I think he's going to have this season to, to look and see how the relationship goes with Coach Pagano. I can tell you this. In the preseason, which means absolutely nothing, but throughout the spring, Chuck Pagano seemed like a happier coach. You know, he seemed like a more confident coach than he has been really in, in a couple of seasons. Now, does that translate after, you know, the ball goes live in September? Who knows? But I do think ultimately it's going to be Chris Ballard's call. Of course, Jim Mercy always has the right to, to veto that. Here's the million-dollar question of the offseason from at RV Holler one when do you think Luck can play, and will he be 100%? Yeah, you know, we got some good insight there at the end of the, the Overton interview on that. I think the team right now is still proceeding as though he'll be ready to go in week one. Uh, that being said, I know I'm hedging my bet here, and, and it's terrible because I'm on the fence, but I, it would not shock me if he didn't go week one, you know, if it's week two or a little bit later. It would shock me if it's later than week three. Uh, everything that they've done this offseason points to the belief that Andrew Luck's going to play the majority of the season and be ready to go. There were a ton of, of quarterbacks available, uh, backup guys, veteran guys, who have done some, some very good things in this league. Some of them are still available. Uh, the team is really the only addition that they've made is, is Philip Walker, an undrafted rookie from, from Temple. And not to slight him, they're really happy with what he's done. I think they're looking forward to how he plays in the preseason games, but that's not the kind of move you make if you're worried about your starting quarterback. So we've got at Sport Quipped with three questions in one. Starters in the nickel package. That's going to be really interesting because part of that depends on the health of Clayton Gathers. And, uh, but right now, assuming that, that he's on the sideline, I would say, as we talked about before, my money is on Vontae Davis and, and Quincy Wilson to be those one and two corners. I think if Gathers is not ready to go, I think Rashad Melvin will be the nickelback, and then you'll have Darius Butler and, and Malik Hooker as the safeties. If Gathers is ready to go, then there's a chance that Darius Butler kind of slides back to that nickel position and, and plays in the slot. But I think it's going to be interesting, too, because I think you're going to see more matchup-oriented decisions being made there, where if the gut... If they think they need to be a little more physical, they may try to bring in T.J. Green and put him up in the box as a safety. Obviously, if if Gathers is healthy, he'll be playing that role. Uh, and they can kind of move Butler around, move him on the outside, move him on the inside, make him a safety. Don't count Matthias Farley out in this race. He's a guy who got some work with the ones during minicamp, and he's somebody that came from Arizona last year, uh, has been a big impact on, on special teams, but they like what he can do. Uh, Ted Monachino said at one point in the spring that they feel like they can play winning football with him back there at safety. So he's another option if they decide that Butler needs to be the, the nickelback. But there's a lot of different combinations that could come out there. I think the ideal thing would be to have uh, Davis, Wilson, and Butler as the corners and Gathers and, and Hooker at safety. All right, part two. How much a drop-off from Pat McAfee to Locke? That's going to be a really good question this year. I think Jeff Locke has done some things pretty well. I think he is going to end up being the kickoff guy, uh, with some people were questioning. But when we talked with Tom McMahon this spring, he said he thought that, that Locke had that in, in his toolbox. It's something that he thinks he'll be able to do successfully. Uh, but Pat McAfee, I think Gil Brandt, who is the godfather of NFL radio, uh, you know, longtime executive with the Dallas Cowboys, still has a great deal of involvement with the draft and, and with that process. You know, he was ranking the all-time greatest punters in NFL history, and I believe he put Pat McAfee at number eight overall. So that gives you an idea. You're talking about an all-pro. We, we touched on that a little bit with Matt Overton. Uh, you're talking about a guy who, who brought so much to the table. You know, his ability to, to perform an onside kick, his ability in the directional game, 
Uh, Pat McAfee could single-handedly take a return man out of the game. You know, you just didn't have to worry about that return guy that week because Pat McAfee had it under control. I don't know that Jeff Locke's at that that level because I don't know that many humans on earth are at that level. Uh, so there's definitely going to be a drop-off, and it's something that, that the rest of the special teams is really going to have to make up for this year. That being said, Chris Ballard kind of stealthily really built that special teams unit back up during the offseason. They brought in a lot of guys. We talked about Mingo previously who have had really good success in this league as special teamers. And the third part of the question, what Mac looks like in pass pro? You know what? We really haven't seen a lot of that yet just because there's no contact in the preseason. There's no pads. That's going to be one of the biggest questions as we come into training camp and they put the pads on and we have that more physical camp. Obviously, if Mac cannot protect Andrew Luck, they're not going to put him on the field. And so he, he, he addressed that a bit this spring and the fact that the protection schemes are a lot more complex than they were at South Florida and that's probably where his biggest uh, focus has been so far is learning what he needs to know to get up to speed because he understands you know that for a rookie running back that's probably job number one and we will really not get that answer until sometime maybe even after the first preseason game. Our next question comes from somebody who's probably looked at as a traitor in their own town at Dallas Colts fan one kind of dangerous not to root for the Cowboys in Dallas, but uh, he asks, now that Pat is gone, who is the funniest slash biggest comedian on the team? You know what's funny? If you ask the players, they're probably going to tell you T.Y. Hilton. We hear that all the time from them in the locker room. T.Y. can be a quiet guy with the media, but evidently when those doors close, uh, he's a cut up. So uh, the players will tell you T.Y. Hilton. As far as from a media standpoint and what the public sees, uh, don't count out Jonathan Hankins. He's got a little bit of, of an interesting personality as well, and I, I think he's going to be an outspoken guy and may fill a little bit of that role. Hankins definitely has some swagger, and I think anybody who has seen T.Y.'s backpacks yeah. during train camp, um, I think we've had a hamburger and a couple other things. Uh, they would know that there's a sense of humor there. All right, the next question from at Cito underscore for real. If Pagano underperforms this year as a head coach... Who are potential candidates Ballard would be interesting? I know this makes you uncomfortable because you don't like to speculate about people's jobs. Yeah. But. Yeah, I really don't like to speculate about people's jobs because obviously Chuck Pagano is the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts right now. And for all we know, he will be for the remainder of his contract. That being said, there has been word out there. The two names that I have heard the most often connected to Chris Ballard, and I don't know how real this is. I don't know how much he's... Uh, feeling this, but when he was first hired and there was some question over whether or not he would retain Chuck Pagano, the two names that I heard most often were Dave Tobe, who is a special teams coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, there's a connection there with him and Ballard from their time together at, at Chris's previous stop. The other one is Tom Cable, who is the offensive line coach for the Seahawks and a former head coach for the Oakland Raiders. Obviously, I think right now, there's a chance that that's never a question that needs to be answered. But those are the two names that I've heard most often, and I'm sure that's going to change a lot as the season plays out. All right. Sam Greaves asks, who is the other starter at middle linebacker? <laughs> Do we know yet? Both starters, I think, are open. I know he kind of mentioned Sean Spence as somebody he thought might might be the guy there, and that's a possibility. Uh the guy who probably had the best spring, and again, means nothing without hitting going on, was John Bostic. The coaching staff has been really, really excited about him. I think it's going to be interesting to see if he can continue that strong spring, that strong spring into the summer, into the preseason games. I also, you know, don't count out Anthony Walker Jr., the fifth-round draft pick out of Northwestern. He was an all-Big Ten guy. He made a lot of plays in a really physical conference, and he missed most of the spring because he was finishing up his classwork at, at Northwestern. So it'll be interesting to see if he can make up some ground as things go on. Uh, but right now, I think John Bostic might be the leader in Clubhouse. At No Attachments 8, I'm going to read this word for word just because I like how it's it, – I think I know what he's asking about. But Luck Shoulder, Luck Shoulder, is Bostic a potential stud at ILB – Luck shoulder and Henry Anderson is he his old self this year? So I think he's concerned about luck shoulder. <laughs> it seems like, and and everybody is right. I think that's the thing. 
The one thing to remember probably first and foremost about that shoulder is that this is a long-term decision. This wasn't a short-term plan, you know. Yeah, they want to get him back out there as soon as possible. Everybody does. Yes, they're hoping he's there for week one. But the real idea here is that once he comes back, whenever that is, he's fully functional and he's able to, to do everything he can do to practice with the team as a regular basis. You know, last year he missed one practice day a week all season long. They want to end that. They want to end all the shots, all the all the workouts, everything extra he had to do to get ready. That's what this is really about. I think ultimately there is some optimism that that's going to happen. Almost the same thing with Henry Anderson. We touched on Bostic just a minute ago, so that answer you know stands. He so far so good with him. Uh, as far as Henry Anderson goes, it's sort of similar. He's coming back from that knee injury. If you look at some of the underlying pro football focus stats, he had a better season last year than some people realize. Second year back from that injury is usually better. He says he feels 100% confident on that knee right now, and uh, I think right now all signs are that he's at least closer to the Henry Anderson we saw as a rookie. And our final question of the Pony Express mailbag from at Niswanger37. Any update on Clayton Gathers yet? And as he says, he's a vital piece of this team. He absolutely is. He's one guy who has a skill set that nobody else matches. His physicality, what he can do as a safety in the running game in particular, uh, but just his tackling. But he won two games, arguably, last year for him. The Tennessee game at home uh, when he was injured on that tackle towards the end of that game on fourth down. And then, you know, the San Diego game early in the year, the first win of the season, when he knocked the ball out of the tight end's hands after he was beaten, you know, came from behind, caused the fumble, gave the ball back to the offense and let him run out the clock. Uh, he's a guy who, who really is not replaceable with, with what they've got on the roster. Uh, there hasn't been much of an update yet. We should get one early in training camp. I will say Gathers was there every day just about, and he was working on the side. He is confident that he's going to be okay and able to come back from the neck injury, uh, but it is a neck situation, and that always scares you. So that's going to be one of the really, I think, important storylines to follow as we get into the first week or so of training camp. All right, that's it for the first edition of Pony Express. See, I think it works. Great name. <laughs> great name. Great name. Uh, if you want to submit your questions to George, you can do so in one of three ways. Either tweet him at GM Bremer on Twitter, uh, find him on Facebook, George M. Bremer, uh, and send him a message. Or you can call us, leave us a voicemail. It's 765-400-0239. We'll be right back in just a few seconds with our final segment, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. Horseshoes and Hand Grenades, ranking this week's Colts news. This is where George is going to kind of give you the top five good news and bad news bits coming out of the Indiana Farm Bureau Football Center this week. George, what are you throwing at us first? A horseshoe or a hand grenade? Let's start with a horseshoe. It's been kind of the theme of this show, and it's definitely been a theme in this offseason. The good news uh, that we heard from a report this week that uh, Andrew Luck could throw overhand right now if it was necessary. It's just not that time in the timeline. Uh, but we had heard a report out there that the shoulder is strong enough that he could do it if the Colts had decided that that was the time. Now, this comes with its own hand grenade. The bad news, of course, is he's not yet throwing. And I think until, it's not so much important about that first pass or, or how that goes. What I think is really important about this process is until he starts throwing, you don't know how the shoulder recovers. What's it like the next day after and the day after that? How is the maintenance of, of that arm going? And that's when you're going to really have an idea of where he's at. So that's kind of a horseshoe and a hand grenade all in one. All right, one horseshoe, one hand grenade. What's up next? Another horseshoe. Former offensive coordinator Bruce Arians with, I think, the must-read book of the summer. Uh, his autobiography came out on Tuesday. Uh, it's, it's really a, an engrossing tale from all reports, all reviews. Uh, it's his life, both starting as a quarterback at Virginia Tech, all the way up through being the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. I think Bruce was always a really colorful figure here. He's a guy who links both the Peyton Manning era and the Andrew Luck era, having been both of their first quarterbacks coaches, well, offense coordinator in Andrew's case and interim head coach. I know he's very beloved in Indianapolis, and from the excerpts I've read from the book, it does not disappoint. I personally can't wait to get it. I think everyone's going to be excited about that. 
Yeah, that first segment they released that talked about uh, his decision to uh, not be a bartender anymore uh, was very entertaining, and you can just hear it coming out of his mouth. Uh, It's definitely written in his voice. Horseshoe hand grenade. Hand grenade. uh, Former offensive tackle Terry Glenn interview a couple weeks ago kind of let it slip that the Colts were maybe using some illegal electronic means early in Peyton Manning's career to get around crowd noise on the road. Uh, Obviously, that's something no franchise should do. It's obviously something that's a black mark for the franchise. I can't get too fired up over it. We were talking earlier about Quincy Wilson and how young he is. He wasn't born when this happened. So for me, it's hard to really get too worried about a situation where almost nobody who was here then is still in Indianapolis. Obviously not something that should have happened. Obviously not a good moment in history. But it happened, the only incidents that we know of it happened during a 3-13 and season. And, you know, hand grenade to that, but in the distant past. You wonder if uh, Tarek's phone rang, like, immediately, and it said Peyton, and he whether he answered it or not. Yeah, no kidding about that. I'm sure that that was not a team-approved uh, segment of his interview. But you know what, Tarek is, and I'm going to say this, he is probably the most underrated player in the history of this franchise, at least during its Indianapolis time frame. Tarek Glenn should be in the ring of honor. I'm just saying that now on the air. He absolutely protected Peyton Manning for a number of years to definitely get that moment, that halftime ceremony, and go up in in the ring of honor. I I have to agree with you wholeheartedly there. Um, So your final horseshoe or hand grenade. Big horseshoe to a guy who who I think a lot of his community service has gone unnoticed. He does a lot of things in the background. Wide receiver Dante Moncrief held an NFL Play 60 event recently at the team's facility. Afterwards, he gave out 100 book bags and school supplies to the children who took part. Uh, Dante Moncrief, another really good guy in this league. Definitely a horseshoe for those actions. All right. I think that wraps up the first episode of Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. I hope you've all enjoyed the show. Uh, George, what can we look forward to coming up this season? You know what? Training camp. I mean, that that's the most important thing on the horizon right now, and I think this could be one of the more interesting training camps in Andrew Luck's time here because there are so many changes. There are so many new parts. It's going to be interesting to see how they start to fit together, who starts to take the lead in some of these races. A lot of the questions that the fans had today are great questions, and a lot of them aren't going to have answers maybe all the way up to September. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, to share that information with fans as this summer gets going. A lot of optimism for this Chris Ballard era, and I'm happy to have this forum here every week now to, to share with the fans as it, as it all unfolds. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us this week. Uh, we hope you're back next week to hear more about the Colts. Remember to hit George up on Twitter, at GM Bremer, uh, with your questions and comments about the Colts, and look for the episode next week. You've been listening to the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast with CNHI Sports Indiana's George Bremer. For more Colts news and information, follow George on Twitter at GM Bremer. And join us next time for more of the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast.